mystical, so unpredictable here on the SNL Network. Yes, that is right. Welcome, everybody, to the Saturday Night Network's roundtable for the Woody Harrelson and Jack White episode of Saturday Night Live. My name is John from the SNN. So thrilled to be with you on this Monday night as we cover a historic question mark night of Saturday Night Live to talk all about Woody's five timers night as well as Jack White's as well. He also got that jacket and we will break down all the sketches with an amazing panel here. This is one I've really been looking forward to to get to talk to all of these amazing people. So uh, first up, so thrilled to do this with my man Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? John, I always say I watch SNL like I watch my favorite sports team. Sometimes your team wins. Sometimes your team loses. I remain a fan even when my team loses. And we're going to talk about it tonight. Yeah, that's the beauty of podcasting, right? You can still go into a podcast to hear what people think about it, analyze everything to death, even if the show isn't perfect. So uh, I'm thankful for everybody who's still tuning in, even though this week was uh, mid. That's what I described it on Saturday. It was a little mid. Uh, but we'll we'll get into all of it, and we will do that with Kirsten Turnbull. Kirsten, how are you? I am great. I'm keeping warm in this snowstorm outside, and uh, much like you both, I'm there for the show no matter what, even though it may not tickle my funny bone as much some nights as others. Yes. And there, I'll say, for anyone who's like, oh, I like this episode, there are things I liked here, so we're going to talk about those Same. as well. You don't have to you know, for not, sure. Not for be sure, yes. Yeah, yeah. We're not all going to be <laughs> downers throughout the night. Don't worry. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, thankfully, for the first time in the history, uh, I guess or, uh, you did this at the beginning of 46, right? But like in a very long time, Andrew, is uh, you were joining us on the roundtable. So let me bring in Andrew Dick on a Monday Night Roundtable. You picked the perfect episode to join us on. Andrew, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> I yeah. certainly did. Yeah, I mean, I think I've done bonus episodes. Like we did the, the presidential roundup and stuff. But it's, oh, right, it's almost, right. uh, yeah, always been the uh, the hot take shows where I'm, you know, just super long day at work. And then we're, it's, you know, 1 a.m. in the morning. Let's go live. Uh, so this was a very interesting one to sit on for a, a day and change and really think about. And also, I'm just thrilled to be here with the godfather of SNL podcasting, Rich Tackenberg. What, what, a, what a treat. He's already made the sports reference. Ooh, it's so good. <laughs> I don't know what to say. This, yeah, this will be fun. Well, yeah, enjoy the niceties now because later on you guys will get into it when we're talking about different aspects of the night. So that'll be a lot of fun. Now, when we start these Monday roundtables, we typically talk about the decision to book a particular host. And this time we're talking about a four timer coming back for the fifth time. Let's go back in time all the way to season 15 of the show where Woody Harrelson hosts for the first time. He comes out, he's full on Woody. You get uh, you get like I, everything that his personality is, all the jokes about weed. And obviously it was a very different time then for all of those jokes. Uh, uh, he was very prominent on Cheers in the Kirstie Alley monologue back in the day. We get the Cheers reunion. Woody's going to come back for season 17 finale where it's a big deal. He's hosting a finale. Uh, two really good episodes of SNL back in some really good days of the show. And then it was years and years before we saw him again. Season 40 where we got him back for the third time in what 
I consider an all-time classic episode. I think he was unbelievable there. And I know everyone was very excited for season 45 when he came back and hosted the premiere. It was the premiere, Woody, by the way. You weren't hosting your Thanksgiving, as you said, in the monologue. But he he comes in, and uh, that was a downer. Yeah, it wasn't a great episode. There was a lot of stuff going on. We were right heavy into the Democratic primaries and the Trump era, and it just, nothing was clicking. And I was really hoping, similar to a lot of the talk about the Mulaney episode a year ago, about being like, can this be a return to form? And so that was my perspective coming into this episode. And I want to talk about all of that and all of your thoughts on Woody Harrelson as a host before we get into the episode. You know, what are your impressions of him? What do you remember about Woody as a host? Rich, I'll start with you. Well, I, you know, I'm old enough to have watched season 15 when it was on the air instead of on a streaming service. So I go way back with Woody Harrelson, you know, and I, you know, I think we sort of developed his character. You know, I remember him as, you know, Woody, the bartender from Cheers as, you know, the young dumb guy replacing coach. And I feel like he always played a version, kind of a pot hippie version of that. Um, you know, what I think that I, where I was nervous about him coming in, and I think that my fears were somewhat confirmed is that I don't feel like in the, in the four times previous that we saw Woody as a, as a host evolve as he got older. I feel like we kept seeing this, the, the, the sketches that I saw in season 15 are the sketches that I saw in season 45. And there's the sketches that I saw Saturday night. And I think that concerned me a little bit where we've seen other people like Alec Baldwin, you know, like him or not really change who he was in relation to the cast and the sketches that they used him in over the, the, the span of his lifetime. So it works if you're Steve Martin. I don't know if it had worked as much as I wanted uh, with Woody Harrelson. And I think that that sort of hit a, a peak here. It's so funny you said that because you were reading my mind a little bit where I was talking to somebody the other day about Woody Harrelson and I was saying that when he hosts early in his career, he really feels like that like cool cousin, like almost like that 70s show style where it's like, you know, he, he's like your cousin that like smokes and he's like, it's so cool. And then now he feels like kind of like the crazy uncle. And... <laughs> You know, yep. in more ways than one this this week. And uh, so I totally resonate with what you're saying, Rich. Kirsten, I would love to get your thoughts. What are your memories of Woody Harrelson as a host on SNL? Yeah, I mean, he had a mullet, I think, that first time he was on. Or, you know, he was in his classroom doing that getting acquainted sketch, and he had the the little moule going. Um, I I did rewatch them all, and there was so much energy and fun with that. And you're right. I think, I think John, you nailed it where he was coming off natural burn killers. He was kind of this sexy dude. And now he's the stoner in the linen matching pantsuit thing, top and bottoms that he always wears. Like he has gotten more eccentric and like where he always was the kind of happy stoner. Now you're right. He's like just a little bit unpredictable which makes him further down the list of people I want to hang out with. Whereas back in the day, I would have been closer to the top there. For sure. Andrew, I can't wait to get your thoughts on Woody Harrelson because I know you were so excited coming into this episode to get to talk about him and cover him. So what are your memories of his episodes and your impressions of Woody as a host? Yeah, I mean, this is this is an episode I requested to be on because, uh, yeah, those first three Woody Harrelson episodes uh, we've covered two on the podcast: the the uh, season seventeen finale and then the season forty episode, which you know, as you alluded to, uh, I, I feels like a top ten uh, episode, you know, pretty easily. It's it's <laughs> nearly 
perfect. Uh, depends on your feelings on, you know, what you think about apples. And I was kind of shook that In the usual way. Yeah, that that the SNL uh, Twitter account, you know, to get people hyped up for this episode was like, hey, guys, remember apples? And I was like, well, that's not the best way to get into this week. But, you know, let's go anyway. Um, and yeah, there is something that has happened with Woody that I feel like taints this episode like there's just off vibes and it should have been like oh this is slam dunk woody's just a you know chill dude he's gonna do your stuff he's gonna be charming and stoned and fun and you know like i started watching like you get in the monologue and i'm like you know start okay well this is really weird maybe maybe i need to pull out the bowl get on woody's level and then by the end, I was like, no, actually, I think I need the tinfoil hat to get on Woody's level at this point. And it was kind of distressing. And I'm wondering if that level of distress that I was starting to feel was permeating the the episode, you know, just the whole backstage vibes and everything and everybody just kind of going, wait, what happened to Woody? What's happened? <laughs> this is not the same fun loving man we knew. And so... And all I wanted this one to be was better than the season 45 premiere, which I did not like. And it was a real bummer at the time. I was like, oh, man, they did Woody wrong. And then it's like, that's all I wanted. I just wanted to clear the bar of that one. And we didn't. So I, I want to talk about what the best version of this episode could have been. What would have made this episode better for you? What were the things that you would have liked to have seen in Woody be involved in in this episode to make it work? And Andrew, I'll go right back to you because I know you had high hopes for it. So in your mind, what was the vision of Woody Harrelson on the show in a way that would have made this episode work a lot better for you? You know, that that's hard to say because I try not to envision the show before it happens you know and like you i don't. feel that huh <laughs> isn't that your thing <laughs> no not at all okay i feel like you're always like oh, okay well this person's hosting this isn't gonna be that good or i'm worried hmm. about this person hosting maybe i'm wrong okay all right continue no i try not to do that maybe i did that in the past and i i try to get you know but i i try to move past that if i ever did that because you know okay. it I'll just it sets your, yourself up for failure so, you know, anytime I walk into an episode on Saturday, it's just like I want to I want to laugh and have fun. And hopefully there's some good music in there. And, you know, it's just like all I'm looking for is just some fun. And um, so I, I can't tell. There was no expectations for this, really, than just a good episode with Woody. And, and I felt like he would have been the kind of guy who would have been able to facilitate that for where the season has been. Because this is, for me, the first episode in about, you know, it's like six episodes. I, I thought they were on a really good streak there. Uh, and so I was just like, you know, Woody, that's a slam dunk. They got this in the bag. Uh, and it was it wasn't that. But I do think they were trying some things in this that I do give them credit for. It just never quite gelled. All right. Rich, what about you? Was there any expectation of this episode for you that would have been the best version of what we could have gotten here? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, as I've started, as I came to realize, I think more this season than before, I'm realizing like, all right, how do you play to the host strengths? What sketches can you only do because this host is hosting? You know, and in this case, it's someone who's in many cases, you know, hosted the show the first time before the featured players were born. So he's older, he's eccentric. uh, And we really didn't get, I don't think that there was a single sketch that we got live sketch that another cast member couldn't have just played the role. I don't think there was any sketch where they went, ah, you couldn't have done that sketch if Woody, if he was, if it was just the cast, you couldn't have done that sketch. So I feel like that was a loss. The other thing that I took for granted is I was really interested in seeing him interact with season 48 cast, not Keenan Thompson, who's been on the show maybe even season 15 at this point. It's it's hard to track, but um, <laughs> I think it was, uh, you know, we only saw it at the very, towards the end, we started to see it more, but I really was excited to see how he would play with a Sarah Sherman, with a Marcello, you know, mm. with the J.A.J. not as Trump. Like, I think, uh, you know, I didn't get, which is what I've liked about this season is seeing, we still have Chloe, we still have Heidi, we still have, you know, you know, Ego, but we're seeing a lot more of these new players and I didn't really feel their presence as a major factor in with really in mixing it up with Woody. So this, it felt like this, the, the show itself kind of felt like a show from a few years ago in, and in a couple of different ways. So those, those were my expectations that I'd say weren't necessarily didn't hit this, this time around. And Kirsten, what about you? Well, I, when I sat down to watch, I wrote, you can call me, name me one person who doesn't like Woody. And then the monologue started. <laughs> and it's, listen, to each his own, I feel like a lot of us, and I don't know how much the rehearsal, how if they ever do the monologue, I'll admit that, but I felt a little hoodwinked because I was on this ride with him and it was rambling. But I was like, okay, this is, is this just stick? If he is, he's fantastic at it. He's rambling, he's rambling. But he kept coming back to it. And then there was a real letdown. And he kind of, he kind of threw me out of the trust tree there where I think he really hijacked the vibe and the energy of that entire cast where all of a sudden we're all feeling a little conflicted about what fun cousin Woody did. He become drunk uncle, drunk stoned Woody. And I think that kind of just gave everyone a bit of a head shake, which is enough to, in a live show environment, just like that small little energy shift can throw a bunch of people off, uh, certainly viewers as well. And, and it just, yeah, I felt a little duped. I wasn't expecting that. And I don't know that personally it was the time or the moment he, you know, he had the stage, he said what he said and again to each his own, but I, I don't like the way that he set it up where he took us along for this ride and we were expecting a humorous payoff and he, he, you know, got on his, got on his stump speech. So that to me, I think makes it is the variable that makes it difficult to tell how the show would have progressed if everyone was feeling great and fantastic. And the sketches, some of them could have turned out differently. Um, had he not made that kind of selfish mood right off the top. Woody. Yeah. I mean, when do we dive into this monologue? I feel that is the, no, the let's big, do it right now. Okay. Because I mean, I, I, my journey through it live was just confusion because it does seem to be confusing 
as as part of its rambling nature. And it it, it even took me a, a, until the second viewing. Honestly, I like I posted you know, about it on Twitter. And some guy was like, you know, somebody was like, yeah, heavy anti-vax vibes on that. And I was like, what? Because it was just so long that I missed that final punchline that is set up in the beginning about him reading a script after he had just hosted the last time in 2019. And then we get all these twists and turns and it's all about him smoking weed which is just like, yeah, we get it, Woody. And then and then the final turn of, of the, you know, the script being about the biggest drug cartel, buying up all the media and forcing people to into their homes and, da, 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 and, and all that jazz. And then it's supposed to end on the, the, the note of like, yeah, who would ever believe that? You know, but I do I do drugs voluntarily. And none of it matches up. And there's like six people that helped write this monologue, including producer Steve Higgins, which I'm wondering if that somebody needed to come down from the top and is like, hey, what are you what are you what are you all doing here? Let me debunk that for a second. Just say that uh, Steve Higgins doesn't write monologues anymore. I know that was published out there, but he is just simply there in a producer role to sort of like look things over and touch up anything that needs to be touched up. Um, I just want to be clear. Like I can't like same thing with the Chappelle week. I know there was some confusion over that. Uh, Steve Higgins had nothing to do with the writing of this monologue. But did he touch it up? I mean, he always looks over everything as an executive producer. So I've got to say, like, it's hard to discredit uh, that. But and in particular, the monologue. But I would say, like, he he's not he did not write this monologue. So. Well, yeah, I just I feel that somebody needed to come down from the top down to go, hey, what's this joke, though, that y'all are trying to pull off? And it never works. Like, I don't understand. It seems like the show like Woody wants to put over this anti-vax thing uh, and then the show. But the show wants to dupe him at the same time, whereas like Woody, but you do drugs all the time. So what are you talking about? And it, again, much like everything in this episode, it just never meshes. So right. you just go, what? What was that? Uh, where, yeah, it was like Woody trying to get something over on SNL while SNL is also trying to get something over on Woody. And it was just a mess and just started the night off. I mean, if you, you don't count the cold open, uh, just got the night off on the absolute worst foot you could of just what the heck was that well i would just say it's such a stark difference to what we've seen with previous woody and again like i know a lot of our listeners haven't gone back and seen older episodes but i'll just sort of like fill you in on some stuff i mean in the first three times he hosts the show he's singing in all of his monologues so you know he's like that oh, yeah, a natural true. born performer uh, he's mm-hmm. singing he also sings the cheers theme song in the kirstie alley uh monologue as well and then you know he is known for you know being a part of that reuniting cheers cast um the uh hunger games reuniting as well like it's a lot of like nice clean fun and i think like you know even going back to the first time he hosted he was in a sketch with victoria jackson at the time who uh they did the sketch called who's dumber and there was like a play on the fact <laughs> that victoria is like the dumb cast member and woody's coming in and being the dumb but but the thing is like when you go back and you watch something like that the idea here is that the cast and the host have camaraderie and that's sort of alluding to Rich's point. And what I felt here was it felt like Woody was sort of off on his own 
in his own lane with some of the stuff he was putting out on the show on Saturday. And there were only some moments where I really felt like he was clicking with parts of the cast. So, uh, which is unfortunate because what I really felt uh, to Andrew's point over the last six or seven weeks of the show, the, the season has done an amazing job at connecting these like new one-time hosts who are coming in and fresh and excited to work with the new cast and like all of the things that we've been talking about like um Andrew Dismukes having a big night or Sarah Sherman having a big night like we just got none of that this week it felt like a really big change of the guard so um I think you know for those who like this episode who might not understand why the complaints were there I hope that through this discussion you sort of get an idea on some of that. Um, before we move on, because I do want to talk about the five timer stuff a little bit before we get into the sketches, I just want to know from Kirsten or Rich, did you want to comment on some of the things that Andrew said? I wanted to give you that opportunity. Very quickly, I would say, you know, the, the anti-vax joke, I would say this, there have been many guest hosts in the monologue, usually comedians like Bill Burr, who have made jokes for which I don't agree with. But if the joke is funny, that's fine. I, I I will enjoy it even if I disagree with it. The bar is higher, and I think that was a real miss. Not that go ahead, make an anti-vax joke. It just better be a really good anti-vax joke, and that was not this. The second piece, very quickly, I'll say, similar to the themes, you know, one of the things that SNL has done so well in the last two years, especially as we evolve over time, is that the the uh, the monologues feel very. Uh, personal and very real to who these people are. And I felt like this was Woody portraying the character of Woody Harrelson that he has uh, created over time. I don't feel like I was listening to a monologue of the real Woody Harrelson. I felt like mm. it was a projection and a character, and I don't want to see a character in the monologue. I want to meet you and get to know you where you're at in your life today. And I think that's uh, that was another missed opportunity. Should be pointed out that the the monologue was not written by our usual at this point uh, monologue writers as well, Dekenzo and uh, Nordwin. So that might have been part of it as well. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, absolutely. Kirsten, anything else on the monologue? No, it it was it wasn't great. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk about uh, a seed of an idea here that I really loved, which was the idea that we spend so much time as a fandom. Our, my friend James Stephen even said that we are becoming as a fandom, we're becoming the Star Trek sketch. The you know the, the very famous sketch where uh, William Shatner gets mad at everybody. We, I am SNL's, broadcasting from my mother's yeah, basement. Yeah, yeah. Where hmm. S SNL is making fun of us so much that we just need everybody to get a jacket, and it's all becoming you know one big uh, full circle meta, meta moment. And um, but I felt like they had something here, which was like Woody shows up expecting his jacket, and he's not going to get it. And when I watched this monologue on Saturday, my first thought was, not he's not going on some rambling, crazy story because he uh, is crazy or because he has some wild views. It was because he was just trying to stall long enough to finally get the jacket, you know? Like, that's oh. what, that's that's where I thought he was going. Mm. So when you hear, like, you know, first off, he starts with this. And you know what that means. <laughs> Oh, jacket. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's how it starts. So, you know, that's the, that's the front end of the monologue. And then he's going and going and going and I'm totally losing it. I'm waiting for him to again be like, uh, anyway, it's about that time. 
you know, and, and, you know, I thought he was so like endearing when it came to the five timers jacket stuff. It was such a contrast to what I was seeing with the rest of the monologue that I was like, you had such a run, like they did a mini runner throughout the night and it sort of led to this, but I just felt like if only they just went further on it, because that was something I haven't seen before. And you know, that is a good point, John, because then you could utilize like him talking himself into a corner as the joke right of like he's still he's still waiting and like you know so you punctuate it more and more throughout the monologue and then he starts digging himself further and further as he continues talking still waiting please somebody with the jacket that could have been the punchline or at least some sort of comedic heft Uh, yeah they needed to lean into that way more and yeah, we we almost got a runner. I mean, I guess you could. Can it is a runner? It, it is. You one, know, but... it appears. You know, halfway through the episode and pays off at the end. So that is a runner. But uh, yeah, I really was hoping for uh, you know, like something like the, the, the when John Mulaney hosted for his fifth uh, time. They, they had a lot of just like a lot of intersecting things in the episode. And I thought initially that that this one would be that was a setup for something like that. Right. And what I was waiting for really was, you know, at the end of one of the sketches, whether it was jail scene or the submarine or something for the sketch to break down and then him to be like, all right, I'm ready. And then like it's still not come. And then it's just they sort of like left it for a couple key moments throughout the night. So I think that they had something really clever that I really wish would have um, would have capitalized on because I think that would have changed my perspective on the episode fully. But Rich, I know you have a lot of thoughts on five timers episodes and moments and how they handle this. So let's get started on that. Well, you know, to me, as I was watching it, you know, and really the end as much as the beginning, because I feel like other people have done the five timers where they didn't. I don't think Scarlett Johansson, I think in her monologue, I don't think she got a code or maybe it was a, a throwaway. We've done this before. But, you know, I was thinking about it as I was watching it, you know, the first five timers club was 23 years ago. And, you know, and it's still pretty amazing, but it is moving on the path from this rarefied air like presidents of the United States. And in a couple of years it's going to be like a costco club membership and uh, but what's interesting is that what i'm interested in and i and i and i argue with myself is should the show start to evolve the five timers club now that it's been 23 years and can they evolve it without losing the thing you know the jacket or the thing that we that we sort of hold to from a from a fandom standpoint but i felt like at the end him getting the jacket uh just felt so shrug to me because it was like almost like oh right and we have to give you a jacket because now you're also in this club and it made me think that's not a criticism of Woody it's kind of like oh right you've got 20 something members are we just going to keep doing this every season give two more jackets three more jackets a season yeah, like it's it's starting you to can't. lose what was so fun about it in the first place what do you mean you can't Andrew you have to give the jacket well, you know, maybe for the well, I'm just I'm agreeing with Rich that like you now you're just kind of turning the five timers concept into a recurring sketch in a sense mm-hmm. like it's not special anymore. You're just kind of doing what you've you, you was established with Tom Hanks all those years ago, which I feel was already kind of like a smart ass idea anyway. Like, you know, I, I think they were kind of having fun with the idea of like, oh, it's five times for this guy, you know, big, big whoop. Uh, And so, 
you know, it's become kind of a, a, a wink and a nod from like Conan and Odenkirk and Smigel and stuff. It's like, yeah, whatever guy. And just something that's like this. Oh my God, it's five times. We need to do that. Like it needs to be so big. And it really doesn't, you know, it, it really doesn't though. They, again, as we established, they had the opportunity to have a fun runner that could have interrupted sketches or, you know, just, they, they could have had more fun with that idea within this episode and they kind of bailed on it. So, you know, they almost had an interesting, unique run at the five timers idea and just didn't follow through. So, you know, it's, it's six and one half dozen, the other on this one. That's my least favorite take of yours ever that the original five timers club is bad. <laughs> that's, that's not <laughs> No, it's not bad. It's just, it's, it's snarky. Well, but uh, but okay. I will disagree with that in that, you know, back even as late as 1990, to have hosted five or more times, you were probably an amazing host. And now, through the nature of it, you can be a solid middling person, and I'm not going to name any names, and have hosted five times. It doesn't, it doesn't denote the achievement if you started hosting 33 years ago that it did when it was Buck Henry and Steve Martin and John Goodman, where you were like, those were people that you're like, oh my God, they're hosting? Well, then you got to stop everything because they're hosting. Now it's almost right. just like, oh, right. They they actually just sort of passed that milestone without it yeah, being. They, they, as, have, yeah. they have hosted five times, I guess. Right. I would like to think that with the choices to expand the diversity of their hosts, that this is a something that kind of naturally goes away where we aren't repeat booking as many people all the time because there's less room for them because we've expanded the roster of folks that are being considered for host jobs that are being booked for host jobs and that we get back to a little bit of rarefied air where yeah it's appointment viewing and you get so excited to see them i think that problem should take care of itself because it is it's become too much of a thing now that it's getting cringeworthy and and this made it cringy too this past weekend um, I mean, I, I can't recall, but who, who was it? You said that started the kind of made the big cheeky thing about it. It was well, it was, it was Tom Hanks. Tom and Hanks, I think, yeah, like, yeah, which was yeah, that was it his was like bit. Conan and Odenkirk yeah, and Smigel that wrote the original. Then one. become became the ring to grab for. Um, I don't know that Woody is. I mean, technically he's worthy of it, but so he gets it on a technicality. I don't mean to make my life sad, but I had some of the greatest <laughs> moments of my life were watching some of these five timer sketches. And I, I just have to say, like, I absolutely. Oh, yeah, I, I'm sorry, but I'm that guy. Like, yeah, I but, love. But you're thinking the, of when they yeah. do the big five timers yes. club. Yeah. Yes. Those are iconic, but you haven't yes. done them 20 times. Are they really that iconic they, beyond the first one? Are I they really? So. You don't think, you don't think, think like so. the uh, Jonah Hill one? Was that truly iconic? Well, yeah, yes, because it celebrated the women in the club in a way that they'd never done before. Right? Yeah, it was so, nice to see so, Candy. So, back, but, so you that know, is, you know, but, saying that's uh, a thing. And then for hold, first hold, of the Justin Timberlake one. Did you just call Candace Bergen candy, you pretentious? Yeah, Candy Bergen. I'm part of the cast. I know her. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> decades. I go decades. Or back you're with 68 Candy. years old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. When they the, then the, that's the related question though. How many five timers clubs? How many five time inductees can you skip before like you can't do the sketch every single time or it will burn out? Mm -hmm. And it's a weird like Mulaney got it, but he didn't get it. Like 
I think that's the, I don't know where you evolve it to. A hundred percent. But yeah. this is, this is what I think it's, it's like, um, with Melissa McCarthy's the other example of a, a host that got it in the good nights. She got her five timers jacket. Alec and Steve were there or Alec was in the episode. And then Steve just showed up in the good nights and gave her the jacket. And I have zero problem with the runner of this episode. If they just, I would have wished they did it more, but I have no problem with the fact that Scarlett Johansson showed up in the, you know, probably just out of convenience uh, shows up at the end of the night, hands off the jacket and stuff. I really have no problem with it. I also have no problem that they didn't do a five timers club sketch, but I definitely would not take away from this episode that they should not be doing five timers club sketches in the future sorry but if i think i think like you know we'll talk about this later because we did put up a poll this week asking which four-time host should join the five timers club next and i'll reveal those results as we get to the end of the episode but you know if dana carvey joins the five timers club there should absolutely be pomp and circumstances for something like that yeah. i mean there are people yeah. on this list that i think are a big deal um you know and i i think they deserve to be celebrated i do think that hosting i i agree i think that the um the achievement of hosting five times has certainly been watered down by the amount of people that have gone on to do it. But I do believe that things will equal out eventually because I believe it will be much harder to host five times in 15 or 20 years than it is now. I think that they just, as to Kirsten's point, they are choosing more first-time hosts more diverse hosts and stuff like that. So I think that once you get that achievement for whoever ends up excelling over the next 15 or 20 years, I think it will become special again. And whatever we excuse we have to bring back some of the legends of the past, I think you're only going to get that through a five-timers moment. So getting Elliot Gould last year for probably his last time on the show, that was special for me. It was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's dive into the sketches from this week. How about we do that? And we'll talk about okay. the moments that we want to talk about from this episode. So, Andrew, your first time uh, this season, at least on a roundtable. So tell us the sketch that you really want to dive into. Well, I mean, we've already dove into the monologue, which I thought that was that, you know, that was the big what's happening of the night. But then we move into our first post monologue sketch of the night jail scene which I thought was uh, intriguing in many ways. Uh, for one, it's just not what you expect in the post-monologue section, you know, which I thought was like, okay, the, the, hmm, interesting. Like, what does this mean for the rest of the night? At this point, you know, I'm still just kind of like, am I like, what's what's the vibe for tonight? I don't know yet. And this one I really thought was the most intriguing miss of the night. And I, I really say that like with like, I want them to keep on trying this because this is take a shot slice of life adjacent for me. This is, this is built out of character details and uh, you know, sort of it's it's a small little scene with characters in them and they've all got small details that they are unraveling and this one really reminded me of something that reoccurred in in living color which is the uh snack and shack uh sketches if i'm just to throw everything into chaoticness now i'm going to be talking about in living color which was the uh the sketches where you know is they're in the small diner you've got uh you know Takiya and kim wayans as the waitresses you've got david allen greer as the the guy by the door screaming nonsense you've got uh tommy davidson in the back as the shorter cook and they uh you know keenan ivory wayans 
had said that trying to get those sketches to work as well as they do took a while because they needed to get the rhythms right of how to bounce between all these characters and every bits of business that they're doing. Uh, it, it took it took a second. It took a couple rewrites. And this is a classic SNL. Ooh, we were just a couple rewrites and a couple rehearsals to getting all of this right. Because there's a lot of interesting thing that a lot of interesting character bits that is doing like the, 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 all the asides and the weird crosstalk that would happen, you know, both from, from Ego and Keenan as, as Woody and Chloe are talking, they kind of have to like lower their voices as, as you know, they would riff on top of that. And uh, it just never came together fully. But it was like it was the most uh, it was the best misfire of the night for me. Like, I really wanted to enjoy it more. Like, I really like, ooh, this is something and, like a couple details. I know Keenan had to biff this line about where he's talking about like, every damn Chucky has red hair. And then he says, Chucky e. Cheese is a hat with a rat, which just <laughs> killed me. <laughs> like I know that he just he bungled that line hard, uh, but that that somehow still really made me laugh. And uh, you know, I I think that what really kind of threw me from this is that you know Woody's I, I think Woody he, not much was asked from from him in this, and thus he did that. Uh, Chloe, I felt was was kind of going a bit too big and kind of doing a, a Southern accent character choice that she's done a bit too much and, and really should have not been like, I think she kind of, I don't know. It just worked. It didn't really work where, where, where she kind of drew the focus in on what she was trying to do, where I felt like it, it really shouldn't be. It, it was Keenan and ego on the sides. Yeah. And so Boy, it, it like a very intriguing miss, but uh, okay, please continue, continue with that, uh, you know, like, please. Yeah, let's talk about it. I mean, I just I also want to say for anybody who's watching along who is playing Andrew Dick bingo, I just want to put up the card one more time from intern Matt, <laughs> slice uh, of life. Yeah, right next to the free um, space on the left mm, there. So if you did want to play along, you, you hit it there. Um, <laughs> Have but, I sighed yet? I probably sighed. Uh, definitely a few times. Uh, but uh, thanks to intern Matt for that, by the way. Um, but uh, yeah, let's talk about this jail scene, which I agree was a very intriguing miss. Uh, really interesting setting that they don't usually put right after the monologue. Kirsten, how did you feel about it um it started off really well i think the magic in it was the whole dynamic that these guards have in observing other people and making these comments and i it could have stayed there and i would have been happy that was the part that seemed like it had the most to explore and it was the most fun one key takeaway for me is that if there ever is a snl without keenan that Ego could take up that reaction shot space because she's getting so damn good at it. Her, her, you know, sarcastic looks and all the faces she makes and, and all her I, I love the choo. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. she's, she's heir apparent to, you know, standby reaction shot in my opinion. Um, the math ain't mathin 
is something I actually say. So I was very delighted to hear that in there. I didn't know that was a thing, but um, yeah, I, I thought the, the, my favorite of that was just them peanut gallery off in the side. They didn't need to come together. I don't think I would have taken way more peanut gallery. Yeah, I actually had the same thought, Kirsten, because I'll, I'll play a couple lines and then we'll head over to Rich, which is, um, you know, here's here's a couple things that happen as we start off the sketch. I will always wait for you. No, she not. And that followed Woody saying this. I'm going to be out of here soon. No, he not. Right. So you had both of the guards basically commenting on what they were saying. And that's mm-hmm. the part of the sketch that I loved. But to your point, yeah. Kirsten, I really feel like it went to another level once they kick out woody and chloe from the scene and it's just a conversation between the two guards it's no longer them being like the the voice in their heads or the voice on their shoulders it's now a scene between the two guards and that changes the context of what was going there um which is where i feel like it it went off but rich what did you think of it similar to what you guys said i would agree with andrew in that i felt like this was i loved this sketch two rewrites from now that never happened um and I'll, a little bit of a, a, a hot take. I think that this sketch would have been a lot better without Keenan. And I love Keenan as a performer, but I actually think that the dynamic that we set up as Ego commenting on what was going on felt very specific and unique and different. And then Keenan, who's one of the best performers Saturday Night Live has ever had, does generic commentary to he could have been anybody. And I think that I wish that they had just said, let's make this an ego spotlight and let's just have her be the one and just focus on her and then change the sketch accordingly. I think it would have honed it a lot more. It would have been a lot more fun. I would rather ego at the end have sat down with Chloe and had a conversation about their, about the marriage mm. that she's in with, uh, with uh, Woody on the side and not have a second person, even though Keenan's jokes were funny, they to me were generic funny where ego was specific funny. And I hope that we get to see this character again without Keenan and Keenan had more than enough to do in the night. I don't think he would have been yeah. that upset. I love that idea by the way. And I, I agree. Like I had enough with Ego. I thought Keenan was a nice surprise, but you're right. Ego was enough. And that would have been a really interesting place to take it because you're right. She was such a unique character with such an opinion that we wanted to see more of how she was integrating herself, volunteering into that herself, into that conversation. Well, and I think, you know, it, it, the Keenan's character kind of was, was too Keenan. You know, it was something we'd seen too much of. So I do wonder, like, you know, what Devin or Desmukes or or anybody else would have done as the second part to where they both had to come together and talk about it. You know, like, I do kind of like that there are the two sides and they both had to go get out of the way. Let's talk about this. Uh, and I do wonder if it would have been better had they cast somebody else and utilized their rhythms uh, more because Keenan and Ego, like they just don't have the same rhythms, I feel. So, well, I think that to your points, I think this works well. If you put somebody in the guard role, if they are believable 
as being sick of the people. Like it was believable that Ego was just so sick and tired of the BS that Woody was spewing. But it's not believable that Keenan, as a character and as a performer on the show, has that level of disgust in him, unless it's like a just a one-liner, like a what you know style thing in a sketch. So I think mm. I think they just play two different roles that in, in to you know here I don't think the chemistry works as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think that there was a lot of potential here. I don't know that it fully went exactly the way that we wanted it to. I will also say while Andrew is correct about Chloe, I could watch her do that character a hundred times in a row. I love this character. I've seen it before. Really? I've seen it again. Yeah. What? Yeah. Why? I love it. What? I like it. Why? Just make, just makes me laugh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just makes me laugh. That just that character makes me laugh. It's dumb. It's over the top. Mm. It's a little bit of her one of her go tos. The way Keenan has his go tos. Just makes but did me it laugh. not take you out of the scene? Where like it, the, the, it seemed like it wanted to draw focus on her when the focus is not on her. Really? No, only because I for me Ego specifically's character was sub was subdued, and if everybody was subtle, the energy of the whole sketch would have just really flatlined. I feel like we needed big for Ego to comment on. No, she ain't. No, he not. I so I like the energy. Just my just my personal taste. That's all. Fair enough. Fair enough. Interesting. I'm I'm a Chloe defender, but I would say that uh, Carla Jean didn't do it for me. Like I was gonna say, all I right. wish they weren't like uh, doing Southern accents like i feel like if they were just were like you know in their normal voices i guess then i, yeah. I feel like the scene either that like, or like heidi i felt would have been better i i don't know it, it just okay. it it was not the casting i would have i would have chosen interesting all right all right well let's uh rich uh since you have the hottest of takes let's head over to you for the <laughs> sketch that you want to talk about so after a couple of uh tough sketches here at live sketches for me uh there was a real nice uh break when we get to the uh commercial for cola guard uh the 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 uh mail mail-in uh colonoscopy exam uh that i just thought was so well executed everything about this was so well executed the animation the stop motion the writing the premise being that you know you need to uh, you know leave a sample you put a sample uh, you know uh, in the box and you mail it back and the boxes seem to be way too excited about this um, I love the build of it I love the voices I thought Woody was actually used really well here which maybe needed to be in a pre-tape in order to you know choose the right takes to get him uh, well used and what I really loved about this is the constraints of live network television I shouldn't say live of network television I feel like the fact that you couldn't curse you couldn't be graphic you couldn't you couldn't say certain things that on a cable or a streamer you might have done actually made this funnier this sketch felt to me like 2023 saturday night live in a sarah sherman vein that i feel like a, the rest of this the, the show didn't have as much so i i thought this was great uh so you're saying you're saying that that this was uh perfectly fine for cable go ahead destroy me daddy <laughs> you're saying that that was well behaved that i mean you can say that on <laughs> network tv i feel like the show has been going to this well forever like for so long like we keep on at like acting like oh my god snl went there they you know it's like they've done this a million times 
movies. But what are you talking? If this was, I can't, the They've words gone this I would far use- with the, the sexual deviancy, uh, plenty of times, and it's just another poop joke. Rich, are you defending another poop joke? This was a very well written. Right. No, it joke. wasn't. It they was, spent it was time on this. Not. It was amazing. Yeah. I, like we like it. The way that this one ended, where the boxes were just boxes, and oh, the neighbors saw Woody yeah. and thought he was just a stoner again, and then he's pulling his pants down. That was the perfect way to end it as well. And by the way, it's not a poop joke. It's a I want you to poop in me joke, which is yeah. very different than a poop yes. joke. <laughs> Andrew, if you don't know the difference, we might need to have an intervention on you. I'll poop on you. <laughs> so go ahead. Unloading me. Yeah. <laughs> Unload on me. I just feel like the, the show's gone to this well so many times of like, oh my God, can we really do this about the poop though or the fart? And it's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, I, I don't know. It, none of this stuff. Like, I feel like half of the, the joke who is uh, who hurt me? Yeah, the person that enjoy the simple things in life. This was different. (laughs) No, it's it's about the awkwardness and the weirdness about an actual medical product that is preventing colorectal cancer. And so there's they took this thing that's real and we're laughing at it because it's so absurd that they're asking adults to do this and it's a real thing, as opposed to just the fart joke or the poop joke. But we've already did this last season in the premiere where it was like this Mukes and Sarah, where it's like, send in your poop samples because poop is funny, right? We're not going to do anything with the poop. It's totally different. No, it's the same thing. It's all about poop. Poop is not funny. I got it. You're all grown ass people. Poop is not funny. It's not funny. No, you are wrong about this. But let me just ask something. Um, in the States, are you really like, allowed to mail your poo? Like, is that like a normal thing that happens down there? Because I Do you want to find not... out, John? No. <laughs> well, yeah, John, yeah. in Canada, yeah. you there there are mail-in samples as well. Okay. So okay. I don't know. It's probably not a box, but yeah, it's become a thing. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Well, um, that's interesting. I didn't know that you could do that because this was confusing. But thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> I um, didn't know what, what this was necessarily based on or not based on. I just, I completely refute Andrew's take that this is just poop jokes. I thought this was such a clever take on a medical situation and just and just humanizing the boxes and making it a non-adversarial and making Woody the one feeling Well, no, they're sexualizing right. it at yeah. a certain point. Okay, yeah. let me ask you. Yeah. Uh, we, got, we have to get to the bottom of this, no pun intended. But Andrew, uh, has there ever been a poo joke on SNL that you've enjoyed? Oh, Lord. I mean, uh, immediately springing to mind? No, I don't find farts or poop like inherently funny. And I'm the problem? (laughs) Yeah, I'm saying you're the problem because this, you know, you don't like. I just find that's the hackiest thing you could say is like, uh, just down the line, poops and farts are just inherently funny. No, you're missing all the great stuff about this comedy context. Yes, in real life, if you now, fart next to me or you shit your pants, that is kind of funny. But uh, see, that's less funny. Yeah, that no, yeah. I almost yeah. never find fart jokes funny. I never find fart jokes funny, and I don't think of this as a poop joke because it's not about.
about the poop. It's about the person, the, the box in this case, but it's the person. Maybe I like poop over fart because I feel like if you're going to do something, go all in and don't just, like you know, don't just, fart. you know, but, but I'll tell you, I, yeah, I don't put this in the poop joke category. I really don't think of this as a poop joke. I think you're right. It's a great sexual deviant take sketch that you don't see coming necessarily, but I, I, I don't see it as a poop joke. I just feel like every three or four episodes, SNL just trots out another no, thing where it's just like there is, the joke is yeah. somebody violently poops. No, there's a difference when it's about, yeah, someone violently pooping versus the commentary on having to send in a stool sample by mail. Or if you think about the one that Fred Armisen did years ago with, you know, the, the snore strips and you had them for with you when you're in bed with your partner so that you're not ripping farts <laughs> like this is now a commentary on on living with someone and and all of you know our natural bodily functions being present within your relationship so like there's something more to it that's when i appreciate it when it's just someone's gonna shit their pants and it's for no other reason just to make someone laugh don't get it but i love when it's the commentary part i agree yeah uh, I, I feel like I'm living in the real life uh, penis sketch where it's just how many times can we say poop in a row without uh, getting <laughs> yeah. dicking out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I would say, uh, I do believe we are not giving credit where credit's due to, uh, or credit's poo, to Keenan and to Andrew in this sketch, who, yes. to me, them both nodding along and being like, uh, yeah, I want to stay behind and watch this. I think <laughs> that there is, I mean, to me, to me, that's what works here. And I think, honestly, the best shot in the whole thing, I, Kirsten, I believe you're the one that said this, is the shot of the perspective of the neighbors looking and seeing that the boxes are just boxes and they're not actually oh, talking to Woody so and he's great. imagining yeah. this whole thing so it's like but they do that reveal all too often as well of like now that now we cut to the reality of the sequence and it is just two boxes standing there on the we do that joke as well way Andrew, too often let us enjoy our so love it, for the yeah. sketch let it, yeah. That's fine. It. I, I will never be back on Monday ever. <laughs> yeah, this is this is where we talk about poo for like fifty. He's going to get boxes of poop in the mail now, like getting poop on his doorstep. But I yeah. agree. If the the SNL has done a number of sketches where the joke is, I broke the toilet, I destroyed this because of poo, and those never make me laugh or have Ooh. never made me laugh. I feel like this is a very different piece. I, I definitely, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Made me laugh. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, there I'm a sucker for toilet humor, so. Um, there you go. Sucker for put, poop. Put, yeah, putting that out there. Give it uh, up for poop. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I will say um, this in a way, not that uh, not that I just, uh, I, as, as JJ said. Just go inside me. It's okay. I like it. <laughs> not, I not like that it. I, not that I like it, but it was refreshing <laughs> given the evening. <laughs> So I'll just put that up. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kirsten, let's go to the sketch that you would like to talk about. <laughs> How do you follow that? All right. You know what? You follow it with beautiful Jim. Bowen and Woody. And Woody used very well here. Like, let's give it up for Woody here. But Bowen doing what he does so well, which is this real rapid delivery and the wordplay and the absurdity of the premise. And they had visual gag after funny line. Uh, it just didn't stop. This, I mean, I wrote down some, what, what her name is Ashley or something, his wife's name. Um, the, you know, Longfellow stepping in in like a Leslie Nielsen type role, the big piano, sir, like the, you know, silly one-liner that 
That was the biggest laugh of the night. (laughs) What are you playing? A big piano. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What machine do you like? I like the one that makes the toast. Um, Hmm. I was in the army, BTS, ACL, ass crack and legs. Like just, (laughs) it did not stop. So this to me was, was the number one sketch of the night. I think it worked really well. And, you know, I, I continue to be the president of Bowen's fan club. Um, for so many reasons. And I love that this was a, a really weird one that made it through to air. Oh, Kirsten, you missed uh, the line of the night. This gym is so classy. It should be called a uh, James. Oh, yes. So brilliant. Yeah. Whoever <laughs> line came of the night. Get, get a raise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so brilliant there. Andrew, what do you think of it? Uh, I mean, I guess pound for pound, this was my favorite of the night. Uh, but it, it's still like, man, it was, it was also what I don't really enjoy out of SNL these days is two people standing next to each other, staring down the camera, staring down those cue cards and just reading wacky lines at each other. And to a degree, most of the punchlines did actually hit, uh, and I, I felt like I was so this was the last sketch of the night. I was so out of the game at this point that, you know, it's like it, the, the last sketch was was unfurling in front of me. And I was like, oh, you know, like, I, I yeah, the, there's some jokes in here, but like, I'm just so done with the night that it, it, it really couldn't hit as well as it could have if it maybe came post monologue you know like put this it at least felt like it had energy you know it had beats and it was like cutting between things and whatever it was a very you know i i felt the most cut and dry snl core sketch you could have of the night uh which is to say neither nor on on you know if it's good or bad because of that but you know it felt like on a on a different night, this would have been, you know, of the last six weeks, this would have been a middling effort in a very good episode. But this is a middling effort that is somehow the best part of the night writing wise, uh, you know, and it, so I don't know. Well, what I, what I, I I'm mostly here. fine with it. I did get some co- a couple laughs and, you know, like Longfellow sold that big yeah. piano line like like. Longfellow does so I did what I did that. like here though is that you know this wasn't set up like a scene like we're used to seeing this is set up as like a an exercise this is like a uh, like uh, like a la like something you would see if you're going to like uh at, like the groundlings or something like that to like watch a yeah. show for the night you know and I think that that was what was fun of it which was like the game of uh, basically, uh, they introduce it as, you know, two men speaking in the most beautiful gym in the world, but it has nothing necessarily to do with the gym beyond love, like, let's create a scene. And it's really here about like, how can we try and top each other with the puns? So yeah, it's, it's, it's just yeah. a sketch pure, purely built out of riffing in the room. There is no right. scene. There is no point A to B to C in, in any sort of storytelling or whatever. It is just gags 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 for sure 
But I, I, I find that, you know, you, you talk about, uh, and, and then we'll go to Rich on this. I mean, I, I find that you, uh, in comparison to what we were just talking about with all the poop stuff, which is the, the fact that you see it so often, I find this is something that we don't get to see so often in SNL. We don't get the improv games as much. Like, you know, I'm saying, I don't think we get the, the, uh, like, okay, we're going to, we're going to take this style of this sketch at least nowadays like i think when garth and cat was going on and everyone was so upset about uh oh my god well we're seeing another garth and cat but it was an improv game between fred and, and uh, which Kristen. is coming off of years of kate and 80 it's the same thing mm, i feel like it's different but let, let me bring in rich here because i know he wants to talk about this and then we'll, we'll keep going well, I know this is going to shock you, but I'm going to strongly disagree with Andrew yet again. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. Uh, yeah, I thought this was really fun. I thought this was I, – I, I thought it was really fun for all the reasons that Andrew didn't love it, actually, in that, you know, to me – I think I said at the beginning of the show, like, this episode felt like a throwback. It didn't feel like a 2023, and I would say as a 10 to 1 sketch, this felt more like a Will Forte era, 90 or a 90s era. You know, I could even have seen it in the – Dana Carvey, Mike Myers time. Like it had that, like, what is this? As you said, it's sort of like, and now Truman, the gen-. like a very throwbacky. And it was just joke, joke, joke. But I did feel like the, the jokes had a nice build to it. I thought they had really fun chemistry together. And I just, I, I thought you, this sketch doesn't work post monologue, but in a 10 to one sketch, I just thought this drove at home. I thought this was probably the best 10 to one sketch of the season so far. I thought everything about this oh, that I really don't know. I agree with <laughs> that's that's crazy. What would be a better time? I'm, I'm probably just forgetting. What is was there something better that I'm trying to think of something that was like a great ten to one sketch? Uh, I was not prepared, but I'll let the chat. Uh, that's true yeah. that's true yeah. and by the way yeah. I, I don't stand by that it's not like i remember all of them but i just thought this was a really a, a really good way to end the show i like these oddball weird but it wasn't just uh like weird that devolves into like just crazy town it was it was sort of like we have this sort of we, we there was a theory behind that there there was a there was a con a conceit behind this sketch that they just played through to the end that I thought was really fun. Well, can I just say before you go ahead, Andrew, I mean, your comment about this being like a Kate and 80 piece, I think that my, my biggest problem with the Kate and 80 pieces was they felt like Kate and 80 were more interested in talking to each other than they were that, to doing the scene itself and like talking to the audience and, and going, it felt like uh, just watching two friends having fun with each other. And you have to really like Kate and 80 to enjoy those. I think that that's the difference. Or the here writing. Is like, I mean, I, I felt the sure, writing sure. was what drove those, but right. Whereas this just felt like an exercise between the host and Bowen, and it, I, 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 I don't really see the connection. I, I, I don't know. Like, and and you know, just coming off of doing a season ten episode of that week in SNL. Uh, you know, for the podcast, hey, uh, it, talking about Willie and Frankie, you know, uh, the Christopher Guest, Billy Crystal, uh, like, oh boy, I hate when I do that, uh, characters where it, they, they are just, it's two people in the middle of set just screaming lines at each other. And it just like, it's not a, it, it, it's, it, Okay. It feels very base level for me. That's you know, fair. it's like th this is th this is the base level of what you can do for a sketch is you put two people together and they just scream lines at each other. And that's the best you can come up with. And maybe there's some cutaways and whatever, but it's not a sketch. It's not um, there's not anything more to it. And so, you know, you, you can only grab on jokes? small jokes. 
You can only yeah. grab onto the jokes. And it, there like is junk no... Food. It's yeah, not... Guys, what's yeah. wrong with junk food? Yeah. Uh, well, and I, I should preface it that I did think this was probably the best of the night. Uh, it's just... <laughs> I don't, I still think this is base level, you know, SNL, where I, as I felt like the jail scene was a much higher level of intention that totally. failed, uh, where they they were trying out rhythms and crosstalk and uh, all these people kind of like intersecting and stuff where this is just two people and they are just talking, cut away over here, cut away over here. And it's just lines. It's just goofy lines. I will say those the, the goofy lines though and the the wordplay that's not easy to do. Like reactions and stuff, yes, character building, but there was really clever writing here that people were committed to. And I thought it was redemptive for the whole episode. Now, whether that speaks to the episode itself, I don't know, but I thought it it ended on a note that left me not feeling completely disappointed. It was nice to see Bowen. It was nice to laugh at the end of it. And I enjoyed that. So um, again, maybe the entire episode was not as exciting. So I needed a little sprinkle at the end. Um, I think I still would have enjoyed it though. That also could be because I just think Bowen is fantastic. And anytime he wants to do that character, I'm here for it. Yeah. No, this is mostly just coming from a person who is just crushed by 48 years of SNL and containing this all in here. And it's like, boy, we've done this a billion times, though. <laughs> you know, like I get it. I do get it. But, you know, when I have to come on here onto a podcast and say, have I seen this concept before? I have. We, we've been doing this for decades. But I don't think that's the criteria. I've seen almost a thousand monologues. It doesn't mean I'm like, Oh my God, the monologue again, Oh boy with the monologue. Well, the, sure, you mean gotta feel, the bar is mm. higher and you're great. This sketch, if the jokes don't land, we all tune out halfway and go, Oh boy. And I think that the writing was strong enough that they, that they delivered on this. We, I thought that it, they brought it home. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, I want to talk about Heidi Gardner on Weekend Update with the character that she played here. And this character is Gina Bianchi, the woman with four daughters and one son. And she comes out here um, very into character, talking about her kids and where is this going to go. And she talks about, you know, how her daughters are all doctors and they help buy her house. And she absolutely uh, does not appreciate them at all because she really has a thing for her son. And it is the the detail about how, you know, deep and dark this could potentially be with her feelings about her son that I absolutely loved here. And I, you know, obviously she starts off with this. I mean, I would if I could. I love this, Andrew. Yeah, I loved it. What? And, uh, you know, she starts mm. off and she says, you know, what if I could? It's kind of funny, whatever. But then it goes it's to a place. kind of funny. Yeah, and then it goes to a place where... Um, where I didn't expect, where she goes. Like she uh, completely ignores his balls. She's talking about her son's girlfriend and, um, you know, their, their sexual acts. When he's done, you're done. And I, I felt here that Heidi hit on something that I, I really loved, which was just that, you know, she, she 
went back into these characters that we used to see from her in the early years where she really felt like method in the way that she was doing it. And I, I thought that this was a, a major return to form for some of the things. I can't tell you. I mean, you know, I started this again, started podcasting in season 46. From the moment I started podcasting, one of the biggest complaints from our community was I want to see Heidi go back on update doing solo character pieces. And I felt like this was what we were looking for uh, from her. And I, you know, Andrew, I know you disagree, but I, I do want to, I will get to you, but I want to go to Rich and Kirsten and then I'll, I'll give you last word on it. So you can sort of rebut, uh, based on what they say as well. So Rich, what did you think of Heidi on update this week? Well, put aside the sex stuff towards the ends for a second. As someone who myself, I am the only son and I have two sisters. I did not understand the comedy of the sketch. This seemed like a completely normal, completely appropriate reaction to a woman and her children. <laughs> and then it got a little weird. Um, uh, I loved this. I thought this was, I agree. It just yes to everything that you said, you know, you know, it reminded me so much of the, you know, of seeing Heidi do, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the, the, the woman from the, you know, every girlfriend from a boxing movie where it's not just, I'm setting up a game in which the game is going to be, I have a, a, a you know, a, a tag, you know, a, you know, a, a repetitive line, or it's going to be kind of like, but it a bum. It was a character based, not sort of just simply, uh, you know, just a, a string of jokes or wordplay. Um, I, I will say that I, I have met uh, people like this. Uh, I think my sisters probably loved this sketch more than I did. Uh, there might have been some truth in, in, in some of the underpinnings of uh, the woman who, you know, really, uh, you know, you know, the sun rises and sets with the sun, not the daughters. Uh, and then the fact that it got so inappropriate, I loved the heightening of it. I thought so. Yeah, I thought this was so fun to see and and I, I loved it i thought this was really great <laughs> and you know what that that's a great point because i you know again like this i would not describe this woman as my mom but i would say i have <laughs> i have a sister as well and my sister and i often joke about the fact that like you know my sister wanted a nintendo she never like got the nintendo i got the nintendo like my sister wanted us to get a dog but it was only when i wanted the dog that we got the dog so it was like you know that that's the type of thing so i feel like as uh, a son with a sister i could sort of like see and then obviously this went to a much uh, more as i called it on saturday freudian place uh but i felt like there was a lot here kirsten let me go to you and let andrew wait a little bit longer yeah well i have a son but he's an only child um and yeah he, he kind of walks on water i i think the two things one would be i know this character i think most of us have seen a, a woman who you know a mother who you know just uh, thinks the sun shines on her son only. And of course there are probably jokes about how far her love could go. And so, yes, they took it there. I think, yes, Heidi plays a similar esque character. Um, but I think what's magical about what she does is that there are nuances between each of these that are very refined and very thought through. And so while, you may think, oh, it's kind of the Heidi doing her thing again. They are all different. And the fact that they are same but different is where that, you know, the expertise comes from, right? You can find all the sayings, all the mannerisms, all of the, the little moments within girlfriend of the boxers, within this mom and with all the others. That's not easy to do. Otherwise, they would all truly be the same. And so 
although they're similar, I mean, she is who she is. She's got her own mannerisms. She's got her own style. She's finding the difference between those. And I think that's where her um, years of experience and expertise are really showing themselves. And I agree. I was waiting for her to come back with one of these because she's just so great at it. I will say my favorite Heidi moment, though, is when she played the security guard in the Michael Jordan movie uh, send-off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean... Andrew, I, I did get a chance to look at some of the thoughts in the Discord prior to you coming on with us tonight, and I knew you didn't like this. <laughs> and I was so excited to talk to you about it because I... I forgot really what it. I said, but... Yeah, I don't think you did. But <laughs> uh, uh, and I'm like, I, I do like Heidi. I do like Heidi. Please let that be stated before I say anything else. You know, I don't like is a bad season for her and she's been trying out some new things and they're not working for me hard and this like i get it yes you know it is just me and my sister yes does my mom probably like me more probably yeah it kind of goes that way you know uh and so like i get it but then just the whole like then it just gets into nasty sex jokes again it's like we're we're just extending it to the natural like ooh, what's the extreme that we can put this to you know what's the taboo that we can break here is that you know it's like mom just i i didn't like it i i it felt so like we've been to this well so many times. Like I just, I, I, no, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. None of it made me laugh, and it just made me feel uncomfortable. Like why is isn't this that the joke? What you want? Like isn't that you know? Isn't the the idea of an SNL cast member creating a character that pushes you to a level of discomfort uh, something that you want to see from the show? That the show would do more. Like I, maybe, I, I maybe, sort of, maybe yeah. if. Okay. There was, we saw the character of the son. Okay. I you know, that. and we didn't have to leave it out. You know, it's like, but I, that's irrelevant. Like, She's every mom right. who has a son and who favors him. Right. And who, but no, maybe like it would work more if it was just bottom barrel, bottom no, but, barrel son. But, but that's, you know, the joke. just like the, the but, most but it hateable doesn't matter son. If he's bottom barrel. She thinks he's great. It could be, he could be a supermodel. He could be, but no, the then opposite. she wants to like, no, but really it like, then it gets into sexual stuff. Like, it's not just like he, she loves her son. It's like, you know, about his sexual enjoyment and stuff and like his balls. And when he finishes, it's, it's, it's not it's funny. Easy. It's just edgy. And it's not funny. Like, it's not, it's like we're being edgy in a time where anybody can go on Twitter and read these kind of jokes. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's redundant. It's the sex redundant. stuff is a comment on how controlling the mother is and what high standards she has for anyone else in his life. And it's just manifesting itself in a way that is very mm. obvious to us, which is, sex stuff so like what is the what is the craziest thing i could say to convince you that i know what's best for my son is to be that specific and inappropriate because that is the absolute limit to which i believe that mother knows best and no other woman or man will be able to 
please him the way that I do as the mother. That's it's just a comment for that. Yeah, yeah. See, and that's Great. just like it seems like e- obvious shock jokes. Like obvious. Shock I, I haven't value. seen that. That's yeah. a face value. Yeah. I think maybe there's a chance that Andrew's mother. We just had sexual poop jokes earlier in the episode. And now we're just going to, you know, have these same, you know, sexual extreme. Take a no, dump it is. Me. It's not the same thing as uh, I'm, you know, kind of in love with my son, but I can never really, you know, say it like that. No, I really felt like if but, they yeah. didn't play it as broadly, if they did not go as far, if they just touched just the hem of the idea of that, it would have been better but the fact that they just completely steamroll over the taboos and stuff it just makes it less funny because there is no reining back of the idea but she's not we just we just steamroll into it she doesn't want to sleep with her son but are you saying that you liked the sketch up until the point where it turned sexual because there was a whole i didn't like any of it Okay, but this is this is the thing is just sorry, Arch, I was gonna say like uh, you know the the point of this is that this woman exists in real life, but you're never gonna get her to say the things that she says yes. on SNL, and the yes. fact that she's she's willing to say those things is something that is is different, and it creates this moment of like shock. And I think that's different than a lot of the sexual jokes we've been seeing on SNL, which is like, you know, typical like cuck stuff where it's like, okay, you know, like, or like, you know, Mikey in the bathrobe nodding along. Like, you know, that's the type of thing that like is more prevalent or more seen. But, you know, there, I don't, to me, there's not a lot of humor out there about a mom like openly admitting that she wants to like probably have sex with her son. And I think like that is, that's the shock value there. I don't think she wants. That's the whole thing. She doesn't want to have sex with her son. No, she does. That is the joke. She's saying no, she, but she's not saying it in a in a attraction way. She's saying it in a way that she's like, I know I could do this best because I am, I am I the best woman in life. I completely agree with Kirsten. I completely agree, guys. Yes. I don't even know what's happening. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Either Anyways, way, it was, it's just yeah. it's lame shock jokes to me. These okay. the oh, shock yeah. jokes are not. You know, honest jokes to me. Like these are not things that honestly make me laugh, unless they have a satirical bent. And I don't feel that there is a satirical bent to this. Like we are not. uh, There's not like we are choosing Heidi as a a you know archetype of. Well, I guess we kind of are of mothers. I don't know. It just didn't work for me, and it felt very greasy. And weird, and a night that already felt greasy and weird, and a season that has already kind of gone to that well of being greasy and weird too often. Of just like, guys, you can pull it back and still be like funny. Like, let's let's wrap this up because I I think that uh, three <laughs> against one, and we'll. we'll and by the way, I fully support Andrew not liking a sketch. Like. Sure, I don't. I disagree with you, but I support comedy. Is there's there's never a, a right or wrong, except in this case, Andrew is completely wrong. Okay, next topic. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay, Andrew. Since uh, you are wrong, let's go over to you for anything else from the episode that you want to make sure that we cover. We'll do some rapid fire. Oh dear. Let's see. What do we have from the rest of the episode? If you could just pick maybe one thing that you really want to talk about. Oh boy, do we even want to talk about Lardass? Uh, if you want. No, I do don't. Uh, Jack White was pretty sweet. Uh, okay. I will, uh, you know, like 
as a fellow five timer uh, musical, you know, it's like Jack's on his fifth time performing on the show. Uh, I thought they were uniquely and, and and specifically like kind of, you know, it's like, okay, Jack is fitting the vibe of this episode, which is aggressive and very odd. And I was, I was, I was on board. So Jack White, you know, kind of elevated the episode in the musical sense for me. And, uh, that that's where I'll leave it. Did it bother okay. you during the guitar solo when he pooped in the Colo Guard box on stage? Was that? <laughs> it, the- did. Okay. It, it did. Okay. It did. Okay. It did. It did. Yeah. yeah I and get then it. his mom came out and took the box away. I know. <laughs> yeah, she, she loved it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> only proving my points. Uh, Kirsten, is there anything else in the episode that you would like us to talk about? Um, yeah. Two quick shout outs. One to calling Marjorie Taylor Green cocaine bear. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, uh, a real kind of attaboy for Bill Walton impression. Because mm. yeah. I went back yeah. and I watched, I wasn't familiar with where he's taken things. Let's just put it that way. And he really did nail it because I saw some footage and he's wackadoodle. But, yeah, that um, was that was super strange for me if I may butt in for a yeah. second. I, as a comedy bang bang listener, uh, Bill, Bill Walton has been a perennial uh reoccurring character on comedy bang bang for many years so to see uh james bust that out it was like i don't know do you really want to do this and like was it was ego you know just like well i mean listen there's somebody else out there in la that kind of does this as well do you really want to do this on the show because some comedy nerds like me might go there was not one thought in that room about anybody else outside of SNL doing a Bill Walton. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. should. I mean, you really yeah. should pay attention to what other comedy people are doing SNL. You really should. Okay. Kirsten, was there anything else on your list? Um, uh, yeah, PDD, the stakeout. Yeah. I really it? enjoyed it. I thought, uh, again, I love the way they write. I'm a huge fan, and I love how far they push things. Just when you think it's gotten crazy, they go and unearth more crazy. But it's it's always so smart and funny, and uh, they always know how to end things really well. Also, so uh, shout out to PDD for the stakeout, which was very funny. Uncle Keenan, it's 2015. <laughs> yeah. What? No, it's not. Like there were just there were some great great lines in there. I thought Woody's best line of the night was this. That's a low blow. Well, time to go in there and kill it. No, man. What? (laughs) (laughs) That was really great. Yeah, I I actually, I really missed PDD, to be honest. I really felt like that time off that we've had since we last saw them at the Christmas episode, I think was a good thing. Like that we sort of missed them a little bit. And then now they came back and did something. Um, This was pretty strong for me. Enjoyed that. I call out, I like this a lot, although I still, and I'm just, I like them more in the office than I do when they're not in the office, to which I thought the great, uh, to me, the great, the best visual gag was when they flash back to when they're kissing uh, every time he turns. I feel like the constraint of the office brings their sketches from very good to excellent and i i hope they do more in instead of going out i think when they go out they're good but when they're in they're great rich 
Yeah, uh, Andrew, have you seen Two Men Kissing enough on SNL that it doesn't work for you anymore? Oh boy, it's always <laughs> so hilarious to me. <laughs> the very idea of it, that those two men could be the homosexuals. Now, that, I mean, you know, this one, I, I do well, I do agree that PBD, they do have a good sense of escalation. And really, this one felt over familiar to a degree, but I did like the one moody teen that they had. Uh, but overall, I don't know. I, 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 I'm already starting to feel their beats. Like I'm already starting to kind of like, yeah, this is kind of what they do. And to like say that they should be trapped in the office is the most damning thing because what else can they do? Like they couldn't even get out of the office to do something spectacular here to say that they should go back to the office. Oh hmm. boy. I don't know. All right. Well, let's not do a whole office or not office debate because we've done that way too many times here, but we will, we? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, Rich, what about you? Any, is there anything else on the episode? Uh, you really just want to talk a about? very quick shout out. I know on the hot take show, you guys were a little bit tepid on the cold open. I really liked it. I thought that I thought uh, it was a refreshing Donald Trump. I liked that we didn't have the list down the side. Uh, I liked that it was more focused to a specific topic. Uh, I thought it was really fun. It, it wasn't perfect by any means, but I, I really enjoyed it. So just a little shout out to that. Yeah, Andrew, I think before the show, you mentioned that there was something about the cold open you did like, right? No, I was more just talking about Chloe as, um, oh, God, what's her face? Emily Kors. Uh, Emily Kors, which I felt like a lot of people did not have any context for, at least the people that I was talking to. I had to while no idea who that was. Yes. So there you no go. Idea. And and honestly, if you look her up, she looks like James. She looks like James Austin Johnson. So it was super weird to have Chloe play the character that kind of looks like James in female version next to James is Trump. And also I just don't like that. We are continuing to legitimize Trump as a thing like, Hey, he's back and we should be talking about him again. Let's not. Yeah. Um, especially with this. I elect anyone. I started that. Oh, <laughs> that was such a great line. Such a great line. Such a good <laughs> it's such a great line. Yeah. Yeah. There are some good, there are some really good ones. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, this episode was certainly uh, memorable in many ways. Spicy, it was spicy. Yeah, yeah. this was uh, this is an interesting one. I think we're always going to remember Woody Harrelson's fifth time uh, for a lot of things. Obviously, gets the jacket at the end from Scarlett Johansson, and we move on. But before we do, let me talk about the polls from this week. So, first off, we did ask our listeners. We wanted to know who should be the next member of the Five Timers Club. So, out of all the five time, out of all the four timers in the history of the show, I'm curious from the panel who you think should be the next one to join the club. Andrew, can I start with you on this? Actually, let me let me read out the names for any of the listeners store members. So, we got Eric Idle, Michael Palin, Paul Simon, Ashton Kutcher, Dana Carvey, Lindsay Lohan, Cameron Diaz, Luis okay, uh, James Franco. Charles Barkley, Emma Stone, Kristen Wiig, and Marty Short. Uh, who would be your pick, Andrew? Oh, of course, it's it's Eric Idle. I mean, I like that that it, that would be. I don't even know if I would ask that from him at this point. He's a very old man. I don't really want that from him. Uh, but it would be nice to just have one last Python on the show before okay. they're all 
gone, you know? And I, I feel like Eric is the most, um, for one, he's the most writing focused. Like Eric is, uh, like he's all about wordplay. He's all about writing and his performance also comes through. So, you know, like, if if between Eric and Michael, you know, if I had to choose a Python, it would it would be Eric. But uh, I I wouldn't really wish that on him at this point. So <laughs> I don't <laughs> I really don't know. He did the mass singer. He could definitely do SNL again. So we'll, did we'll, we'll, he? Yeah, he did. Did he? Yeah. Well, then uh, son of a bitch, get him in there. Hundred <laughs> percent, Kirsten. Who would be your pick? I will go with either a Kristen Wiig or an Emma Stone. Okay. Rich, what about you? I, I'm going to split the difference in that. I love the Pythons, but I think maybe Andrew's right. I think the time has passed, and I think the cultural relevance is unfortunately passed. I feel like Emma and Kristen will get there. I want to see Dana Carvey in while he's still at the height of his comedy powers before he loses uh, uh, more of the edge that people t- can lose over time. So more people listen to that podcast and go, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, well, uh, I would say that for me, I mean, I'd love to see Lindsay Lohan potentially do this again i think it would be fun yeah. to yeah. get her back in the mix so let me uh bring up the results on screen right now and the results from the next five timers club member number one it is dana carvey 26 percent of the vote mm. went to dana number two is m stone oh, idol ain't even on the list no oh. not the top five uh kristen mm. wade comes in third with 19 percent marty short at 16 percent Lindsay lohan nine percent and fun fact Lindsay lohan voted for herself in the poll today so thanks Lindsay, for voting <laughs> <laughs> that was very funny when i opened up the polar results and i see Lindsay lohan voted for herself so, <laughs> that's so, beautiful yeah thanks oh, Lindsay. Yeah. i could easily get- see at some point in time Lindsay lohan having a redemption moment the way that yeah. um john travolta did in uh, uh um whatchamacallit uh years ago and and being back on snl in a victory lap but i don't think that's in the next few i think that's a couple of years away yeah. Mm. Yeah, it would be interesting. Okay, let's talk MVPs for the week. So every week we put out a poll on Twitter and our Instagram stories to ask for the top MVPs from the week. And we look for either <laughs> we're asking for either the host, musical guest, uh, cameo, or a cast member to be your MVP. And I would like to know from all of you who your top three for the week are. So Rich, who's your top three? I mean, this is one where I feel like the MVP is us for getting through the episode. So I know that's not fair. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, boy, I I don't. There know. is no I, MVP. There I is mean, no MVP. Kanan had more sketches than than anyone else, but I actually don't think he was the MVP here. Uh, I'm going to go Heidi one, Bowen two, Jack White three. Mm. Heidi Bowen and Jack White. Kirsten, what about you? I'm going to throw Ego's name in there and Bowen because I love him. Uh, Anybody else? The the guy who holds the sketch, the cue cards. Cue cards, Wally. Yeah, Wally, Wally? Oh, good nice job, Wally. Wally. <laughs> all right, all right, we'll shout go out to Wally. Okay, yeah, I guess. Uh, uh, yeah, Jack. Uh, yeah, uh, Jack. Um, Ego and Bowen, but if I'm to be completely honest, this was a week where nobody stood out. Yeah. If All I'm right. to be, you know, just harsh and realistic, it's a bad week. Nobody stood out. Big piano. 
Well, there's yeah. always value in every episode. It's all relative. So let's look at the results from the week. And here Ooh. we go. James Austin Johnson wins our week 13 MVP poll result. I guess did a great Bill Walton, had uh, a great uh, cold open for some people. So 36% uh, wins that poll. Jack White, a musical guest, second place, 22%. Third, Woody Harrelson with 18%. Fourth, Keenan Thompson, 11%. And then Ego Wodum in fifth place with 9%. That would be our poll results for the night. And I think it's the first time all season we have the musical guest ahead of the host. So mm. that says a lot. Yeah. I think in yeah, sixth place very, was the Colo Guard box came in as the sixth place MVP. <laughs> I mean, and really bonus points for the Jack White performances. They were rocking like, yeah. you know, did yeah. it was good. It was good. Okay, well, for now, let's move on to what's coming up next week with host Travis Kelsey and musical guest Kelsey Ballerini. Travis Kelsey comes in right off a Super Bowl win, wide receiver, sorry, tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, um, helping me win my uh, fantasy league this year. Thanks, Travis Kelsey, for that. And uh, yeah, I mean, he is uh, he is as big of a personality as it gets. I'm very excited. I would say that really? it's... Yeah, a huge personality. I would compare him to uh, The Rock, probably before huh. his his first hosting. Um, I See, would say, I know nothing about this guy, so anything yeah. you say about him will be new to me. Yeah, he is. So basically, uh, I'll give a brief rundown. Back in the day, he had like a bachelor style dating show that was just like him and like That's just correct. a bunch. Yeah. And uh, he was just well, such a huge not personality. A good start. No, 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 no. But it's, uh, it, it was like a very fun. He's always been very funny. He's always been one of the funniest guys in the NFL. He now hosts a podcast with his brother who he played against in the Super Bowl. Um, and mm. uh, he is such a, like a big polarizing sports personality that if you are a fan of another football team, you tend to not like Travis Kelsey in that way. So he's like kind of like that style of things. But he is big and boisterous after wins. He'll be talking and interviews and just you know yelling into the camera and that type of stuff uh he was on jimmy fallon a few weeks ago where he or a couple weeks ago where he did announce that he was hosting uh he sang uh on there as well so if you want to get a brief glimpse into uh travis kelsey check out his run on fallon a couple weeks ago uh but yeah i'm i'm very excited for this because i think uh athlete hosts unexpected a little bit for what we might get and rich i would love to start with you what your expectations are for travis kelsey uh, because you you have seen many athletes host the show before, and uh, you know just based on forty something years of watching, I'm I'm never a huge I'm rarely a fan of an athlete hosting. Um, often it ends up in very broad sketches. Often the male athlete ends up playing a woman in an over the top sketch. Uh, so I don't have anything specific about him other than I guess the need to be named Kelsey to be on this this week's episode. Um, I assume we'll see his brother as a cameo. I assume we'll get a couple of other cameos, uh, but I'm I'm guarded. Uh, but um, hope hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I think we should be guarded. I think when it comes to any athlete to hosting a show, I think it's fair to be guarded on this. But what I would say is that um, you know, unlike some of the other uh, quarterbacks that may have hosted the show in the past, this guy does have a really big personality. Kirsten, what are your expectations this week? Well, I also had no idea who he was. Uh, I didn't realize he won the Super Bowl until you just said it. <laughs> um, I did look second time. There you go. I did look him up online and I saw the Fallon interview and in it, Fallon made reference to the fact that they met a couple years ago at, you know, with Justin Timberlake at a golf event. And I feel like that's how he kind of got his into SNL. You know, someone like a Fallon has a, great time with you. Yes, you're gregarious and people know you, but you get a bit of, a, bit of an in to that SNL world. And, you know, someone 
passes that along to to the casting team and says he could be good for this because yeah I agree I'm not a huge fan of of athletes when they're on the show um I am cautiously optimistic that we'll see something different based on what you say of his uh all the podcasts and all the things that he does and his personality um but I feel like he had a bit of a dial a friend through Jimmy Fallon on this one that's my sneaky conspiracy theory yeah, I'd also say like Heidi probably had a big, uh, you know, pull in getting him onto the show, being such oh, a Chiefs maybe, fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So? so that would be a thing. I mean, oh, the she's truth a is, big Chiefs fan. Yeah, for sure. And then the yeah. uh, the the big. This makes um, no sense to me, by the way. I don't know what you're talking about. No, it's a, it, it, like if you see her in the Good Nights, she's always wearing Chiefs, Kansas City. Kansas Chiefs, City. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. And from a booking perspective, by the way, th- this is a no brainer. While well, I don't love athletes, this is a no brainer. Yeah. You, you know that you know they just want to book. They just want views. They just want yeah. audience. So yeah. booking. But a is this the view? The is this the way to sure. go about views? It, the, yes. the question well, is. Yeah. The question is. Is Kelsey the way to go about gaining views? Of right course, yeah, now? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is I that, yes. A lot of people will. Rich, watch did SNL you know about Saturday. this guy? What? But that's the point. You know I, could, I was already going to watch SNL. You don't need to get me. You have me. You mm. need the sports fan who goes, I used to watch SNL when I was a kid. I'm I'm on and off. Oh, the guy from the Chiefs, I'll watch. Now, will they hold the audience? That depends on the writing. That depends on the performances. But tune in, I think, will spike. Okay, fair enough. I don't know enough about this guy. I do hope, you know, it's like I, I think the show is always chasing the high of the Peyton Manning episode, you know, it's like that, that is the, the highest high of the, uh, sports sport, yeah. uh, you know, a hosting person coming in and the rest is mostly for forgettable. I mean, you know, you go all the way back to like season three, friend Tarkington, uh, you know, that, that episode is more built. <laughs> That's still the episode. The episode is still built on like a running gag than on Fran actually hosting the episode. This yeah. I don't know because I felt like this would have been the like this Woody Harrelson episode instant slam dunk in terms of sports references. Instant slam dunk. What are you gonna do? And so this the the Kelchi episode would have been the like that would have been the off week, you know, for people like, oh I don't know what happened that week. Whatever. And so I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be a rally around this episode. You know, I don't know exactly if this guy is like trying to go for WWE or whatever. Like he might be. Well, let me, let me just make a comparison, by the way, for what you said, for where you're talking about Peyton Manning uh, and Travis Kelsey. When Peyton Manning was playing, uh, he was considered like a media darling in a way. Like a lot of people were like, oh, when he retires, he's going to be the best broadcaster in the NFL. And then when he did retire, um, it got into a bunch of businesses and ends up doing the Manning cast, which you saw in the cold open of the Miles Teller. But, you know, networks were recruiting him like crazy, going to offer him so much money to call NFL games. And that is Travis, Travis Kelsey now. Like everyone's like, when Travis Kelsey retires, all the big networks are going to get like dole out the cash to get him on their shows because he is such a big personality in that sense. So, which is baffling to me because this is like the first week I've heard this man's name. So, like, again, this is like, you know, you've, you've escaped like, you know, the Star Trek 
uh, you know, cameo throughout the years is really, you know, built into a big name, like this super nerd shit of like Kelchi, who I don't know this guy. Uh, you, know, you know what, though? Someone who's that big a personality well, could really suck the energy out of a room and is used to the attention possibly. being on them. Like he is a team player. Yeah, you could have a Deion right? Sanders uh, like, level, yeah, he, you know, my like I don't. I don't know. He may stand out too much in sketches because of that, and that could be a detriment. Yeah, the thing is, like, this week is just too shaky for me to be okay with, like, what we're going to do with next week. Like, we, we, Woody should have been the slam dunk. Yeah, I and just have to wasn't. say, like, I think, so I, it's just I think like, everybody's uh, overreacting. Like, the, 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 yes, the Woody episode was not not great, but like, you know what? We had a lot of good episodes in the role in, in a row. SNL um, has put together like a pretty good season, and I think it's been like trying to. Do you not want I, I the controversy think... right now? No, I, John. No, well, well I, I want I want people to uh, you know wipe the slate clean and go into this, uh, go and see what's going to happen this week. And I think that just because Woody's episode was trashy. Um, that the, uh, I don't know that this one will be, so let's lower expectations, but potentially be pleasantly surprised with what we're going to get. And the truth is with, with almost any guest that often comes in and says, you know what? I don't need to be the center. I just want to have fun. You guys write the sketches. You plug me in. You be the weird one. I'll be the straight person. If Kelsey does that. It could be a home run. We have a lot of musicians. As far as the season has gone, this like that type of interaction with the writing is the right way to go so yeah for sure and i'll also say i'm probably the biggest kelsey ballerini fan in the snl fandom so really I'm, yeah i'm mm. insanely excited for her on the show so <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah that's that's a that's we'll talk about that i guess throughout the week but um let's talk that's about like when i up. said i was the biggest bleachers fan in the snl uh, uh oh dear oh no, uh, no very niche very niche <laughs> it, it's very neat yeah. very niche yeah, but um yeah. yeah very very happy for, for but i've been Kelsey listening Allen. since you mentioned that she is good i like her she's, yeah. she's incredible yeah. okay uh let's talk about what's coming up here on the snn this week so we got two more shows before we get to the travis kelsey episode next up on wednesday night we got by the numbers where mike murray will be there with sammy k and joel navaroli from snl archives to talk through all the numbers of the week so it'll be a really fun episode to talk through all the screen time stats and sort of talk about you know even episodes that aren't you know renowned are really interesting from a numbers perspective so i think this is probably the week where you want to tune in and talk about uh, how the stats were affected this week by this episode and then we will be live at 8 p.m on uh thursday with uh, our intern and patron matt to answer questions from the week and look forward to the kelsey episode so make sure to send in your questions that form will be up on wednesday you can send those in and we'll gather them and answer those questions for you and then we'll be back for the hot take show right after travis kelsey and kelsey ballerini's episode of saturday night live looking forward to seeing you all there with us at 1 10 a.m eastern rich tackenberg oh boy this was fun <laughs> thanks for joining <laughs> us tonight where can the listeners reach out to you i'm nowhere if you're in the la area storytelling the moth risk so a bunch of indie shows if you're online i don't know say hi i'll i'll wave back absolutely kirsten thank you for joining us where can listeners check out everything you got going on you bet um me i'm boring but i do uh co-host a fantastic show about female intergenerational storytelling. Our next show is April 18th, generationwomen.ca in Toronto. Awesome. Amazing. Andrew, thank you for joining us. Hope you had fun on the roundtable for the first time in a while. 
Yeah, it's been great, uh, you know, being part of the last Saturday Night Network episode I'm ever involved in. It's been great. Uh, You know, good luck, everyone. No, it's, uh, you know, again, that week in SNL. There it is. Uh, Talking about vintage SNL episodes. There's what literally 48 years of the show to talk about. We do that. And uh, we 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 definitely do. So check it out. If you've enjoyed my babbling, I'm on there doing the very same with other people. Sometimes John. No, almost. Yeah. Okay. I can't find it. Where? I'm here. Whatever. Yeah. John. Love John, though. Yeah, love you too, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. It was a lot of fun. So uh, thank you to Rich and Kirsten and Andrew for being with us on this Monday night and all of you in the chat, very lively chat tonight. Always enjoy getting to talk with all of you on the roundtable. You can find us at the SNL Network on all social platforms. Subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. All right, for everybody at the SNN, we hope you have a great week ahead. We'll see you next time, everybody. Mm